Welcome in, everybody. Longhorn live stream on a Tuesday night on Inside Texas, the YouTube channel. There's Rod Babers. There's Bobby Burton. And we've got a lot to talk about. We've got a uh, an Iowa State Cyclone providing maybe just the uh, motivation the Longhorns are looking for as they are trending to uh, trying to blow this thing as far as taking a loss here before they get to the Big 12 championship game. We'll dive into that. We're waiting the college football playoff rankings, the latest, the third edition, which will be out here coming up between basketball games, ESPN doing the whole force programming thing. You got to watch uh, Michigan State Duke, and then they'll give you the, the the new rankings between that game and the Kansas-Kentucky game tonight uh, there in Chicago. Uh, so we'll keep you posted as those come out. We appreciate everybody being with us on a Tuesday night talking Texas football, sitting at number uh, seven in the country at this point. We'll see if the rankings change. We'll talk about that. Probably won't, but we'll discuss. Also, the, uh, uh, the fodder coming from Ames, Iowa, which is good, and the Longhorns trying to uh, to find four quarters of football. Uh, they're two wins away from the Big 12 championship game. Also today, guys, we'll get into the fact that the Big 12 tried to clarify their tiebreaker rules, which was sent a lot of Oklahoma fans and every Big 12 fan into a bit of a tizzy, like, wait, 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 that doesn't make sense. Uh, so there's a lot going on, safe to say, uh, here in mid-November with the Longhorns sitting at 6-1 uh, and one atop the Big 12 conference. And uh, we're ready to roll. Appreciate everybody being with us here on Inside Texas, the Longhorn live stream on a Tuesday, brought to you by Energy Texas. Gentlemen, how are we? Rod, Bobby, we ready to roll here? I'm ready to go, man. Let's do it. Feeling Five good. days from uh, Jared Hufford having something to say about uh, about <laughs> the Longhorns on the field instead of just in the practice inter post practice interview today. Wow. Well, should get Matthew, our producer, can we go ahead and play this just so we start with this? We'll probably play wow. it a couple times tonight. But uh, you know, Rod, you and I have talked on the morning show, and uh, you've talked here. Longhorns are kind of primed. Even Sark was a little testy on Monday with the, uh, you know, kind of calling out his team. Like, hey guys, we keep doing this. We're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna get, we're gonna hit tails, not heads. We keep playing this razor's edge and coin flip thing. Uh, we're, we're we're playing it way too close. Build a twenty-six to six lead and then hold on. K State was similar. Houston was similar. We got to figure out a way to play four quarters of football. And really, for the first time, kind of I don't want to say put his team on blast, but like was really pointed about the uh, the effort and the uh, the attention to detail and the coaching even on the defensive side uh, in, in the fourth quarter of that game. Uh, and then, you know, so we're, we're trying to find four quarters of football for Texas. And then today you mentioned that this is Gerald, Gerald, Jared Hufford, offensive lineman, Iowa State. And we'll let, let you watch a minute and two seconds of uh, conversation about what's coming with Texas and uh, Iowa State Saturday night. It's definitely going to be one heck of a farewell present. You know, I think especially they're going to come in here on senior night in the dark. You know, I don't think they really know what is going to be coming for them. I think they'll have to come out and figure it out. But I think just uh, the cycling community names, you know, when it comes to night games, especially against Texas, you know, they've only – They've what well, we beat them for out of the last five times they've been here. So they don't have a good record here. Uh, we have a very distasteful in our mouth for them. You know, we definitely want to send them off the SEC with a with a loss on our end. But you know, it's gonna be a good game. Tell us more about that distaste. Oh, you know, it's just you know, ever since I got here, it was Iowa and Texas. Yeah, that was kind of the thing, and uh, you know, the horns down all the time and whatnot. But it's just you know that program, much like Oklahoma, you know, they get all the big five-star recruits they have all the nicest stuff in the world and they just they just think they're uh you know they don't stink but in layman's terms but uh you know they're just humans and that's how i see them you know they're just people that have such a high ego that needs to be checked <laughs> they're they're just humans but somehow wow. they're afraid of the dark hey. in the dark hey. they're gonna come here in the dark i mean where are you going to like a hey a bedroom no. that has 
Guys, lights. Only Tuesday, brother. We should be we should be thanking this guy, man. This is awesome. This is great. Thank you, Jared. We this this Texas team has been we know trending the wrong way. All right, for the last three four games, they they you know made clutch plays in critical moments. There's no doubt about it. But they're not necessarily getting better week to week. Now it's because of injury, other things like that. Uh, but they're 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 walking the tightrope between disaster and destiny, right? And and they they may need a little bit of motivation. Jonathan Brooks being out, Quinn Ewers being healthy, and now you get this this just this chef's kiss, all right, of bulletin board material here from this young man, Jared. Thank you, thank you so much, Jared. Thank you. This is beautiful. This is this is what this team needs. They need it. They've been, you know, kind of, I didn't say sleepwalking, but there are times in games where it seems like they are in a lull, all right? And they they kind of the lapses in focus. This is the kind of bulletin board material, along with the Bo Davis, all right, energy, that, that, that Bo Davis energy you're going to have. This is exactly what you need. It's brilliant. It's good. I love it. I'm, I'm, I'm excited. Thank you, Jared. Thank well, you. And- well, Ron is the uh, the longtime radio guy. I was thinking about all the little sound clips we could pull from that. Oh. They don't know what they're walking into. They're oh. the uh, you know they got all the nice things. That's the five star players. They're arrogant. There's a lot in there, man. There's probably five six good little ten second clips we could pull from that for the show this week. And I agree with you hundred percent. I mean that's uh, I'm assuming that's playing on a loop in the Longhorn locker room between yes. now and Saturday. Well, Byron Murphy has already responded. Oh, nice. see you at seven p.m. <laughs> let's be clear so there there's oh, there's man. that what i thought was hilarious aaron and rod guys that that really made me laugh is this i mean how is it that texas is a game that they circle at iowa state i mean well, when did rod did you hey. i mean did you well, i mean no, did no. iowa state ever circle i mean why would iowa state circle texas well, this I mean, is and this, this, no, you're right though, Bobby. See, back back in the day, I don't know if they would circle it because, hey, man, you, they don't want any of Texas because Texas I, is bringing. I mean, but seriously, yeah, dude. Bringing the I mean, but now, now, Bobby, listen. If you play well against Texas, and to, and Iowa State has in the recent history, right? They have. Then you know, hey, man, the nation's gonna be talking about you. You'll get on Sports Center all the highlights, and you know the NFL scouts are watching. And that's nothing better for an NFL tape than going up against a five-star player like Texas. They talk, they, they talk about the five-star culture versus the five-star player. That is a Iowa State moniker. That's like something, that's like something they talk about. So they they this is you're right, Bobby. They have, I don't know why, but they've been kind of circling Texas the last five, six years, every year, talking about hey, the five-star culture will always beat the, the five-star player. Well, now Sark, Sark's got both, or at least he's hoping he's got both. And that's how you beat Iowa State. Hey, five-star culture? Okay, you mean the one that kicked off like three or four players for betting <laughs> on a good team? Let's go with, let's go with that one. I want to say this, too. Not only is Texas playing uh, Sonny Dykes uh, and Matt Campbell back-to-back. Oh, Rod, man. I want to know what you and Aaron think about this. I think these two are the two whiniest official coaches, coaches with officials in the Big 12. I mean, they are the, I mean, Sonny Dykes is just beyond whiny to officials. Oh, Jatavian Sanders, bet. Yeah. There you go. In Good all job. Caps, 
JT. All right, but, but that and then Matt Campbell is just like goes ballistic on them. Like last year, you remember Anthony Anthony Cook dislodged the ball from uh, uh, Hunter mm-hmm. Decker's on that last play, and it was a vicious hit, vicious, yeah, but one hundred percent clean. Yep. Yes, one hundred percent clean. And Matt Campbell went apoplectic, like ah. Give me a break. I mean, you remember the time when he went nuts on the sideline in the, the Big 12 championship game? I guess I guess it was Oklahoma. Man, I, yeah, he is. Control yourself a little bit, dude. He's emotionally you know? challenged. There's no doubt. I mean, he's he's a hothead. He had a uh, fan. I, didn't he have a fan interaction early this year? Yeah, absolutely. Another one. Yeah, it's just yeah. like yeah, his own break. fan. His own fan, not even a rival fan. His own hey. team. Hey, guys, we used to have a coach like that. Tom Herman was like that. Y'all don't yeah. tell him how he didn't control his emotion, really. He was, yeah. you know, so we had one of them guys. <laughs> we had one of them dudes, double bird. We had one of them dudes. He's like, what are you doing? You know, he's mocking. Oh, yeah, like, the the, the game, hey, they teach against TCU. Sonny Dykes was literally complaining about a late hit out of bounds where the TCU defend the guy, Texas running runner was three, or Xavier Worthy was two yards out of bounds. Had three full steps out of bounds. Bud Clark comes, jumps on him, and drives him to the ground. And Sonny Dykes is upset that his guy got called for that. <laughs> I mean, at what point you just go, what are you talking about, dude? Yeah. I mean, well, we played, we played the town from Sonny Dykes. Uh, he, he complained about it pretty uh, pretty openly after the Texas game. Called it a shameful performance, and they should be embarrassed, the officials in that game in Fort Worth. Oh, but yeah, not right. Sonny Dykes going going down and having a losing season after uh, playing in the national championship game with somebody else's players. Yeah, that's right. Mm, that's right. I don't. Well, I don't. I mean, Campbell, these guys, I mean, it could be. Matt Campbell, Campbell's built this program on being the, being the underdog, right? He's from you know he's a cradle of coaches guy. Grew up in yeah. Maslin, Ohio, uh, and it's funny. His dad was the the coach at Maslin. He went to the other high school uh, where it was the rival. Uh, in McKinley. Ken McKinley. Well, no, Ken's that that's the big rival, but there are now two high schools in Maslin, which is kind of south of Cleveland. And uh, he went to the other high school. That's where his house was. But, uh, you know, he's kind of always been the chip on the shoulder underdog, Bill Snyder kind, kind of guy. Right. We're going to play. Yeah. Everyone's against us. And that's why you heard, you know, you know, this rod from the locker room. Guys are always going to play up what their coaches are telling them and turn their head coach. You know, the fact that he cited Iowa and Texas, that tells you what the, uh, the point of emphasis is, is in that room. Uh, yep. Iowa and Texas, and this is the last chance at Texas. He didn't mention mm-hmm. Oklahoma, but he did yep. then subsequently mention that yeah, we like beating Oklahoma too because they get all kinds of nice things and we don't. Uh, that's that makes for fun. We've already got Longhorn players responding. Here's some petty rod. We like petty. We got petty <laughs> on a Tuesday. <laughs> well, no, it, like I said, thank uh, y'all. Got to be it's, thank thank God for this young man. I'm serious. I'm not joking, guys. This this team. I said it on the morning show with you. I said. They're trending yeah. toward a loss. I'll admit, at least I had them at 10 and 2. So I think after the Bama game, everybody readjusted to all right, they're gonna be undefeated <laughs> or 11 and 1, and they're trending toward 11 and 1. But the last three to four weeks, you know, this team has been holding on, making clutch plays. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, but they haven't played the complete game and they haven't played four four quarters. By the way. I've been on the record most of the time saying I don't think this team is ever going to really get there. That's not who they are. The next season, you may get the complete team, the four four quarters. This is just a step, a phase, right, in their development, in their evolution as a program. 
And I just think that's this is who they are, guys. We we they got two games left in the season. We got enough of a sample size to know now they have these stretches. It's the it's the best of it's the best of times and the worst of times, right? In, in the same game. Guess what you get from Texas? You get a stretch where they play spectacular, brilliant, amazing, complimentary football. And that's when they separate from teams and they usually get a double digit lead. And then they have a stretch where they have lulls and kind of lapses and they play in a lackadaisical fashion. And then the phases of the, the game don't play at a high level. They usually play subpar football, sometimes all three of them. And that's when the other the opposing team gets back in the game. What's happening now is that that lull is happening later in the game when it used to happen earlier in the game. And Texas was having their their spurt, their 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 you know stretch when they go thermonuclear. It used to happen in the fourth quarter. Late the Wyoming game was like that. Bama was like that, right? But now Texas having their spurts a little earlier in the game, and then late in the game they're having their lulls. And that's scaring the hell out of Longhorn fans because they're like, whoa, but they're surviving. But the point is, can you keep that up for two, three, four more games? Mm, probably not. The odds are football gods are going to make you pay for walking that line of destiny and disaster. Hey, Rod, more importantly, uh, not more importantly, that's a great point, And I know we've talked about it, but as important. Uh, we'll watch more film about this Iowa State team, but they're coming off a real nice win at BYU. We kind of thought that Provo game could be, you know, kind of a trap for a little bit for them. They they put up 45 points in that game. They are five and two. They're one of the four five and two teams in the conference. And so, you know, Matt Campbell also has that chip to play that we're still in this thing uh, with a couple games to go. Uh, what is what is this Iowa State team to you when you look at them and uh, Rocco Beck, the quarterback, and uh, they got a running back that's from right there in Des Moines uh, that had a big game last week. They're they're kind of thrown together, but they they lean into their identity and know what they are. They play good defense and they try to shorten the game. Uh, yeah, they do exactly right. Um, they actually have two receivers that, if you look at the uh, the Big Twelve rankings, I was just doing some research on Iowa State uh, before the show. If you go look at the uh, the Big Twelve receiving rankings, they actually have a couple of guys who are ranked in the top ten in Big Twelve and receiving. And that worries me a little bit. And I'll tell you why. Those, those, those players, you're going to look at it right now. Jalen Knoll uh, is the, the shorter of the two. Uh, they got uh, Jaden Higgins. Yeah. Right, and is the Higgins one. is the bigger guy that's more the vertical threat. Okay. Now, I'll tell you why that worries me. First of all, they, they're pretty average offensively, just overall. They're average offensively. But last season, Iowa State's offensive game plan to attack Texas was brilliant. Brilliant. They essentially were the the ones to expose Texas' inability to defend clustered, closely clustered groups of receivers, what I call bunch formations, tight twins, stack twins, uh, trips, whatever. You can, whatever you closely cluster those groups of receivers, you can do it minus splits, reduce splits, whatever. There are obviously a million different ways to do it. Sark's a big fan of them too. Um, but Texas has a hard time defending these formations because if you look at it, even this season, I can give you some stats that I will. Uh, it forces Texas to become reactionary. They have to read and react, and it gives the receivers a free release. And it forces Texas to have to pass off receivers, all right, and post-snap in zone. It almost forces you to play a, even if you're in man, you're still going to play a, 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 a form of zone. All right, you got to pass off those receivers because you don't want to get rubbed or picked. All right, uh, when they have their releases. So, with that being said, 
Iowa State did a ton of this last year, guys. When I when I've been looking at my notes, and I'll get have more about this too. They when they were targeting bunch formation, they were over eighty percent completion percentage against Texas in that game. You're gonna look at their third down conversion rates. They were converting third and long last season against Texas out of those bunch formations, and even this season. Since I've been targeting it, unfortunately, since I've been tracking it, I should say, Texas still up until this point in the last four games, allowing over 11 yards per attempt. Anytime their opponent is targeting bunch formations, closely clustered groups of receivers. You saw an explosive play rate over 30%. You saw it in the TCU game too. They broke it out as well. It, Texas has a, had a problem with it. And Iowa State, like I said, they exposed Texas with that concept more than any other team last season. Um, and I think this season, they definitely have that blueprint. You got different cast of characters. Xavier Hutchinson is gone. Hunter Deckers is gone. But they got they got a really good group of receivers, or at least two really good uh, receivers, who will be able to kind of maximize and weaponize that concept. That's what you watch because Matt Campbell already knows about it. That's how he almost beat Texas last season. And I know this season, if you're watching any film, it's a surefire way to a, a expose Texas in the passing game this year. So that's it. it you're going to see it. If Texas can't defend it and they can't, they haven't defended it really well. That's why Sark's frustrated with the defense, calling them out. <laughs> now, when he hadn't called them out so far, he's calling them out. Now he's like, damn it, man. It's the same stuff. They can't fix it. They're going to have to deal with that in, in Ames. They're going to deal with that. I promise you they're going to break it out and they're going to break it out a ton. Well said. Uh, it was it was very scary last year at the end of the year. With, oh. uh, had to force a fumble, and you talked about the play that was controversial, but really wasn't as far as the fumble. But as you mentioned, Rod, Xavier Hutchinson, who's now playing for the Houston Texans, he dropped a touchdown pass in this game that would have clinched the game, won the game yep. for Iowa State, and it was wide open. It was wide yep. open out of that bunch formation. Hey, Bobby, before we get into your story today, by the way, there was a lot of news made out of Inside Texas, which we talked about on our show. Um, let's get into that, but uh, tell me about Energy Texas and uh, uh, bringing our, our live stream here tonight. Yeah, absolutely. Energy Texas is a, uh, in, in the world of deregulated energy in the state of Texas, you have options. Uh, energy Texas is one of those options. Uh, visit them at energytexas.com. They have a special called the Flex Program that allows you to choose the best option for you at no additional cost each and every month. Uh, that's right. Each and every month, you can choose what plan works best for you at no additional charge. Go to www.energytexas.com. It's Texas Electricity done right. We appreciate those guys uh, there at energytexas.com. All right, Bobby, I'll let you uh, have the floor here. You had a story this morning about Quinn Ewers and his future, and uh, Longhorn fans love talking about quarterbacks. Rod, Rod mentioned when he came to Texas, they were talking about quarterbacks, and he lived the Sims-Applewhite debate, and you know, here we are, the Longhorns have a bevy of good quarterbacks, but it's a it's a conversation Longhorn fans, really all call it, all football fans like to have. Uh, what is the latest that you're in, uh, in Inside Texas hearing about Quinn Ewers, where he's at, and uh, what the future may hold? Yeah, a couple of different things. Uh, first of all, Eric Nolene, uh, publisher at Inside Texas, wrote on Monday morning that he was hearing more and more likely that Quinn Ewers would return. Um, and I said, okay, I need to go do some checking on my own. That's you know how it is, Rod. You, yeah. you hear, or Aaron, you hear one thing. Okay, I need to go figure out my own thing. Um, and so I made some phone calls, and uh, a couple of them said, yes, that's 100% correct, that he's he's definitely leaning that way. One guy went so far as saying it's at least 90% wow. that he's coming back. Wow. And I, I feel like it's just – I had heard this somewhat, but I hadn't really chased it because I didn't think it was the time of year to really be chasing it. 
but the fact that he went that far and uh, I'd heard other other uh, things that led me to believe that as well. Uh, I thought it was time to, to come out with it because, uh, fr- frankly, uh, Quinn Ewers has been thought to be gone, Rod, after yep. this year. Yep. And to turn it on its head like that, I think you need to you need to come out with with uh, whatever you have because otherwise, I, I thought he was getting a little unfairly uh, criticized about oh well he's not ready for the NFL this or that when in reality the last couple of weeks it's been trending this way mm-hmm. uh, and so yeah that, that's the reality of it uh, the uh, Quinn's Quinn has been thinking about coming back ever since the injury uh, a couple of things that factor in uh, that, that he's talked about. One is the pros like three-year starters at quarterback. That's that's his. That's one of the things from his camp. Another thing is he gets another year to get bigger physically. He's still mm-hmm. slight compared to Caleb Williams, compared to Drake May. I mean, compared to even well Will Levis from this past year, right? Yeah, just a guy that went later but had a lot of talent. That was another thing. And then the other other piece was just in, improvement generally. Um, mm-hmm. and becoming quicker, et cetera. Uh, but all of that, plus the fact that Quinn Ewers generally wants to be at Texas. Like he likes the University like of Texas. It. It, it literally was his dream to play college football at the University of Texas from when he was growing up. And I think I think that ultimately it, it's more than just the sentimental value as it should be. I think it's a lot about dollars and cents, but mm. there's some of that there too. I think if he were playing at, Ohio State, he may be gone. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, yeah. We'll see. Well, I think, well and, and you know this, Bobby, and uh, all your folks in Inside Texas, this guy's been – his family has been kind of planning this for a while now, right? There's a reason he was at, in Columbus, Ohio, as a 17-year-old skipping his senior season. So this is kind of a pretty abrupt switch. You wonder how much, you know, talking to Arch Manning every day has an impact on that. I mean, enjoy your college years. Uh, Rod, you lived it. Uh, you know, the NFL is fleeting. The NFL will be there. But, you know, in the, in the age of NIL, where, as Bobby said, you can get bigger, you can get the reps, you can get better at playing quarterback under a good, you know, good system and a good quarterback coach, move into the SEC. If you, if you enjoy it and you're making pretty good money, why rush it, right? And same time, I mean, go, why rush off if you're having a good time and have a chance to usher the Longhorns into the SEC? There's a lot to be said for that, too, especially if the NFL is kind of Look, they're they're gun shy because the guys like Zach Wilson and uh, Mitch Trubisky and guys who have come in that haven't played a lot of football. Yep. And now you're looking at guys like Bo Nix and Michael Penix. And these guys have played five, six years of football. And, you know, the, the NFL GMs are looking for experience, too. Guys have had a lot of reps at the position at a high level. Yeah, it's crazy how it's swinging back, right? The pendulum. Uh, that was Bill Parcells' old thing back in the day. He's like, "Hey, I want a three-year starter. I want a guy who's played a lot of a lot of football." And he, I think, his big thing was he wanted a lot of film to be able to, you know, evaluate a quarterback how he how he, you know, perform when the team was losing, how he perform when the team wasn't doing well. He wanted to be able to kind of see the, the trajectory and developmental track of a quarterback. Uh, but now it's swinging back. So I think teams know you're investing so much in these guys when you want to see more of them as a player and see how, you know, what the developmental track looks like. 
and 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 actually how they improve and how they evolve when they just have a great year and you go, man, looks like Zach Wilson is it. He had a great year. It's like, yeah, one great year does not make you a good quarterback. You can have one good year and then that could just be a system. That could just be the players around you. That could be the competition was bad that year. It could be a lot of different things. Um, so, yeah, you want more of a sample. I love that. I think it's great. And for Quinn, I'll tell you what, I think it's, it's more for him. I think all, all the points you guys made are right on the money. I think his family, because of NIL, there, there's a closer relationship with agents than ever before for players because they actually can consult with them about NIL representation, not about their prospects for the pros, but let's be honest here. All right. <laughs> there are things, there's, a, there's information being exchanged. Um, so I, I, I bet the information that they got, his camp is probably like, hey, man, you're not trending toward being a first round pick. This quarterback, and it's not really him. More so, it's about the quarterback draft and how deep it is. They're saying it's the deepest draft in like 20-some years for the quarterback position. And I think that may be what's pushing his stock down to the second round um, or maybe even a little bit lower. Yeah, I think that's fair. I'd also think, to your point about Bill Parcells and the the the, 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 you know, the experienced quarterbacks, you just want guys who have had reps that have went mm-hmm. through a game plan week by week by week and seen different things and thrown different defenses yeah. and how they respond to that. And, uh, you know, college is kind of fun, Rod. You can imagine no. me when you were here, you're getting NIL dollars, you're getting a little money way, in your pocket. Yeah, it's way more fun now than it used to be. They, they got NIL money. I think the women are hotter somehow, too. I don't know what that is. <laughs> right? I don't, maybe because I'm older. I don't know. They look, they look different than they did when I was I, They stay, you get older and they stay the same age. <laughs> maybe that's it. That's maybe. what happens. <laughs> that's Matthew McConaughey came up with that one. That's right. That was, you know what? Still true. But my point, I totally agree. I think the experience is better for the guys, and it's great. Not in the transfer portal, guys. They have they have freedom now, right? They have freedom and freedom of expression. They got this, and they got a social media account, a brand, and you know they have now. I think for the players, they got some some freedom, and they also have some power. Something that we didn't have. And now, not that they should abuse that power, but they got some power now. This is why the, some coaches don't even like the new era of college football because the players got a little too much power. Hey, I want to I want to add this hidden within everybody took the headline right and ran with it the ninety percent that uh, Quinn was coming back at least. Um, the the other thing that was hidden within that update, Jalen Catalan and Keelan Robinson also both practiced on Monday. Nice. Okay, so keep that in mind. Also, that that was the other piece I've seen a couple people like Isaac Darden ask. He's he's back. It was not a heavy practice, Rod and Aaron. Uh, after a physical game on Saturday and late in the season, I was told Monday's practice was relatively light, very, very light compared to a lot of Sark Monday practices during the season. Uh, okay. Rod, I, let me ask you that. Is that normal late in the year? Because I've, yeah, I, a couple of teams I've been a part of, they were, they were late in the year. They would kind of throttle it down and just go shells sometime on Wednesday even. Yeah, it's, it's to, so late. And sometimes Coach will just go, I mean, you know, they would just go in helmets. They'll go really light late. If, and, you know, that's the frustration. I'm sorry. If by now you haven't mastered tackling, he's complaining about tackling in week 10, all right? And Coach is like, man, week 10, we got guys dropping like flies on the team because of injuries. By now, we're supposed to be taking it easy, throttling it back at practice, and you guys are supposed to have the ability to have, you know, elite-level reps in practice, mental reps, whatever it be, without us having to, you know, go good on good all the time and bang it out in not probably bad word, bad phrasing, uh, and, and go go full pads, all right, and then, you know, be physical in practice. You should be able to do that, and I think it's the frustration is that now – 
he may have to kind of get back to some of the basics and he doesn't trust his team to have a really light, relaxed practice because he's not sure that they can, you know, that they'll have the focus because that's what they're losing late in the games is the focus. Let's talk about, I'm sorry, Aaron. No. Are they losing focus late in the games or are they just not getting first downs? I mean, uh, look, it could be both. I mean, it could be both. both. <laughs> I, I'm talking focus about the defense, though. But you're right about offense. You're right. I'm talking about defense about the focus more because you 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 playing with a lead, all right, and you know that you've already uh, had success and been effective versus that offense. Your TCU did not do anything different. All they did was come out and start running the football a little bit more. They committed to the run because Texas was playing a lot of two high safeties, all right, because they had a big lead. All right, and they were like, man, the only thing they could beat us is giving up a big play to Savion freaking Williams because we can't cover him, really. And they just came out and started – and you said this, E, they, they stopped the penalties, they stopped hurting themselves, and they just started being a lot more effective in execution of the same things. They ran empty. They did targets to bunch. Uh, they ran um, – you know, look at uh, a lot of the inside breaking routes, pretty much a lot of the success they had with inside breaking routes – they didn't. They, they didn't deviate from the the formula and the blueprint that you know that U of H followed, and you know that Oklahoma kind of followed, and that K State started following late. It's the same game plan, guys. It's out there. So I'm talking about more of the defense and the losing and focus thing because I think well, that's a lot well, of. I thought, I thought to your question, Bobby. I think uh, on your site, Paul Wadlington wrote the the post mortem on the offense, and I thought he was right on. I mean, I think the body language was different in the second half than the first. I think that's why Sark was so mad on on Monday that you know we were doing. TCU was doing the same thing. We were doing the same thing. We just weren't doing with, with as much with with as much as intent as we were in the first half. We weren't imposing ourselves, whether it be tackling or covering or being you know putting pressure uh, on the quarterback and forcing the issue. And that's uh, why Rod, I think, keeps saying they're trending to a loss because and maybe a lighter practice is good because I don't think it's about physical. I don't think it's about they're not tough enough or they're not physical enough. It's about Mental focus, Rod, for four quarters, being the best on every rep, every play. Yeah. Uh, and Sark's been big all year about ro- rotating guys and keeping guys fresh. So it shouldn't be about you're tired at this point of year if you're healthy. It should be that you just have to be focused for four quarters of football. I mean, this Iowa State game will be a challenge, but I think if they can do that, they can get out of there with a victory uh, and make this thing happen. We'll get some questions coming up. Uh, but one thing on the Quinn thing before we move on to the Jonathan Brooks and who replaces him at running back, um, Bobby, from your talking to folks, because Brad and I talked about it this morning. Of course, the text line blows up. People want to talk about what does it mean if, if Quinn's back and Arch and Malik. Um, you know, one thing I'd say first and foremost from my perspective, Quinn coming back next year should be a great headline for Texas fans. To, to go into the SEC with a third-year starting quarterback, uh, I mean, that's you can't ask for more. Who's wanting to get better? Who's wanting to continue to learn? I mean, uh, yes, it'd be great to have Arch Manning and see him, but that'd be a first-year starter into the SEC to have and a veteran player who's looking to – improve his draft stock, leading your program into the Southeastern Conference, that is a great headline. But what do you think it means big picture from your report this morning and your story for the for the quarterback room in general? I don't think it means anything for Arch Manning. So let, let's get that out there first. I mean, I, they to your point, Aaron, people don't – to try to predict what a normal quarterback would do, okay, Um that's not that's not Arch Manning. He's not normal. I mean, he's got a grandfather that I think, I don't know if he's in the Hall of Fame or should be or whatever. He's got two uncles that are going to be if they're not already. I mean, he's just different. I mean, 
He's the grandfather. He's the one that whose grandfather wouldn't let him take NIL for goodness sake. You know, I mean, yeah. so right. he's just well, got a different. You know, you know, he was different in the recruiting process uh, than I, any other five-star player. That's what I'm trying to say. So trying to apply rules to him that you would apply to Joe quarterback from wherever it, it, it doesn't work that way. And everybody is individual. I think that um, to your point even further is look, I mean, what do you want? You know, do you want Quinn Ewers to be your quarterback? Do you want Arch Manning to be your quarterback? Both are possible, right? I mean, Quinn Ewers has been injured in both years. He started. Okay. May have rushed him back a, a week early this past week, in my opinion, just to make sure they got out to that lead. I think you're right. Um, and so look, I mean, you, you take all the quarterbacks you can get and, and try to go to war with them. My, my opinion of it is that Texas fans just need to get used to it. I mean, it's not going to have an effect on Arch Manning. He, he's not, he likes Texas. He's in, enjoying himself from everything I've heard. Um, you know, I just don't see it. I don't see the. I don't see the uh, problem. I don't see the the angst over it. I don't get it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I think there's. Uh, and there's. You know, we'll all see it play out in January. And obviously, the portal opened December the fourth, and that's uh, the Monday after the Big Twelve Championship game and Championship Saturday. The playoff will be released, and at that point, we'll start to follow the portal right into to, to signing day, which we'll talk about before we're done on a Tuesday with Longhorn live stream. Uh, Matthew, if you have questions that people are asking, I know I just saw that great one. I think we just answered it from uh, one of the super chat folks on uh, Arch and then Quinn and what it all means. Uh, here's a good question from Justin. Appreciate the super chat. I understand it's difficult to play four complete quarters. Why do you think these drop offs happen? Is it mentality or coaching? I think we just went through it, but Rod, hmm. is it mentality or coaching or both? Uh, it's definitely a little bit of both. Yeah. Sark contributes to this. There's no doubt about it. He can, he's contributed. We've talked about that with some of the play calling, you know, whether it be, being overly aggressive uh, and late in the first half and, you know, not understanding that you're putting your defense in a compromising position, uh, the fake field goal, the U of H game, there have been calls where Sark doesn't help the situation. Uh, but definitely, I think most of it's on players. I do. I think most, I, honestly, I think most of it, I'll say as a player, I think most of it is on the players. There's a lapse in focus happening. I don't know if it's complacency, you know, when you're up 20-something points, I'm not sure they're co- they get comfortable. And maybe that's why Sark said in the in the in the uh, media availability, he criticized the uh, the lack of aggression on the part of the players, but also play calling. Because I think maybe he believes that the players lack aggression because the calls aren't aggressive, right? That the call if the calls were aggressive, then the players would be a little bit more aggressive. Um, so I, you know, obviously Sark's the guy to correct this because he just needs to go sit in the defensive meeting room, all right, and then and, and make the necessary corrections because Longhorn fans have been complaining about the cushion from the DVs in the corners for a long time. They've been complaining about the lack of blitzing. All right, I'm not saying fans are smarter than the coach or anything, but this is something that's been so obvious to fans that they've been complaining about it here on, on Texas football for a while now. We've been addressing that issue, and I do think PK is blitzing more. I haven't looked at the rates, but I think situationally third downs, important downs. I think he's blitzing more because I think he's looking at the same stats I'm looking at, guys, and going, hell, man, I don't know if we can stop him. So <laughs> if, we, if we can't stop him, why the hell am I going – if I'm, if I'm going to go down, I'm going to go down being aggressive. I'm going to go down going after him. 
And what I think the only thing that's lacking with the aggression, the blitzing, is the, the DBs playing a little bit more aggressively. Um, and I, I, I saw a little bit more of that in the TCU game. But I think they got to start – if you're going to roll the dice, man, roll the dice and let your oh. DBs be aggressive too and stop letting bailing out the quarterbacks at times with the quick, with the quick reads uh, and with the quick game and take away the first read and really – hey, you got the best D-tackle combo in college football. All you got to do is get pressure off the edges. You ain't even got to worry about getting pressure on the interior. That happens organically. All you got to do is worry about getting pressure on the edges, and your edges ain't bad. Sorrell and Ethan Burkett. So I think he needs to apply a little bit more pressure, and then your DBs, yeah, I think they can hold up if you're sitting on some of the routes and you're trying to get home. Uh, and I would also say, Rod, to that that, that point, uh, this Iowa State team, it's a, it's a young quarterback, Rocco Becht, right? I mean, yeah. and we were facing a Dylan Gabriel or a Will Howard. Those guys have been around a long time. We talk about reps and experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, Josh Hoover, Texas won that game because Josh Hoover made a couple of critical mistakes. Yeah, uh, they forced yep. it earlier, and they, I think, to your point, Bobby, they stopped forcing Josh Hoover into some mistakes. They let him get comfortable, which was, you know, not the idea. And maybe to to Sark's criticism, maybe our coaches need to stay more aggressive and uh, not worried about giving up big plays and stay attacking because it built us a twenty point lead. Uh, Dylan Gabriel and Will Howard really exposed that. Donovan Smith, even uh, Rocco Beck's a young guy; he's kind of learning his way. Uh, would have been Hunter Deckers, and he would have been one of the more experienced quarterbacks in the conference. We know he got suspended for the gambling issue. So that's an opportunity for Texas to get after this team. Uh, if you're just tuning in here on the Longhorn live stream on a Tuesday night, uh, brought to you by Energy Texas, and Bobby will tell you about them again coming up. We played the sound, and we will play it here to, again in a minute from the uh, offensive lineman at Iowa State who is uh, is bringing smoke. He's bringing heat, <laughs> uh, which, as Rod Baber said, is exactly maybe what this locker room needed because Longhorn players have already uh, – responded to it on Twitter uh, and are, are okay. Hey, sometimes yeah. the, the bear needs poked, Rod. The bear needs poked. Yeah. When he's right. a little bit. I got to go back to – guys, I got to go back to something. I'm I, I'm having a real problem. How many games would Texas have won this year if, if they had only scored three points in the second half? Oh. Outside of Baylor and BYU. Yeah. No, not many. No, not they, many. They, yeah. They okay. Four games I can think of. Right? That's what I'm saying. They they scored three points yeah. on Saturday against TCU. Yeah, two, they, yeah. they were two of eight on third and three or less. Yeah. Texas offense was. When I said they didn't get enough first downs, they didn't move the ball. No. No, he, he was mean, taking the air out of the ball. It, and we confirmed on Monday, Bob, you're trying to take the air out of the ball. It wasn't even take, they weren't trying to take the air out of the ball in the third quarter, Aaron. Yeah, they were snapping it. With, I, I counted this. I, I went over this with Rod and Jerry. They were snapping the ball routinely at least three times with 20 plus seconds left on the clock in the third quarter. Texas yep. was. Then they were doing it with 15 plus four or five other times. They weren't trying to if they were going to sit on the ball, then sit on the ball. They weren't trying to do it in the third quarter. OK. And furthermore, when they're up by 20, they missed two deep balls that that's just absolutely deflated drives on At first down texas what, on first down. yeah on first down too Bobby. yeah it, it, it just there's no reason to be hunting like that from your own 30 if they would have happened from the opponent's 40 okay i get it but from your own 25 your own 35 don't hunt like that move the ball out of your territory give your defense some time that that's my because if you think about it, the Texas literally had nothing on the back half of that game, no. and no. 
Uh, so I, I'm not, I'm not, um, I'm not going to sit here and say it's Pete Kwiatkowski alone. The, the no. offense has to do more than three points. That's true. No, so, I'm with I mean, that's neither here nor there, but the, the, no, some I mean, of those woes are, are that like, and another one was Quinn. I mean, Quinn, it could be Russ from Quinn. He threw to Xavier Worthy on a, on a more difficult throw instead of checking down to Jordan Whittington, who was open by five yards mm-hmm. on a much easier pass. He sees the deeper route first because that's where he's trained to go. And if he thinks it's a 50-50 ball, he's throwing it instead of saying, oh, wait, it's third down. I don't want 50-50. Yep. Get the first down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I don't think it's – I'm not – I'm sorry for going on a – No, you're right. Rant, so it's, it's not just the defense. It feels like it is. But when your offense only scores three points and doesn't move the ball past half, past midfield except for once in an entire half, it's not just one-sided. No, I think that's well said. I mean, that's actually uh, the exact perspective. And that's where, you know, we, you know, in the Monday news conference, Sark was was almost adamant, but then stubborn that, that Rod said, was, we talked about, he tried to slow the game down. He was like, well, our defense is getting gas, so i got to slow this game down. Almost like an NBA coach trying to, you know, slow everything down. Uh, but that's to his detriment. And it goes back to Sark and second halves and adjustments and, you know, he's the play caller, but the head coach, and that becomes a challenge, um, you know, and a quarterback that maybe wasn't 100%. Sark never said that or admitted, but we talked about a little bit ago that maybe they rushed him back a little bit to make sure they won this game. So you're trying to walk that line. Rod, what do you see from the offense in the second half that, you know, is concerning if they get in the same situation this week? Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Yeah, um, it is concerning, right? Because, you know, Sark has talked about, he's actually openly talked about this stretch run of teams he plays that run the three high, three down. Right? He's openly talked about it. He knows it's a challenge. He knows it's been a kryptonite for him. He's he's openly disgusted in the Austin, the, the Texas media have done a good job of uh, holding him uh, to account. And the truth is, I mean, his teams just don't perform well on third down versus three high defenses. I got him at 34% third down conversion rate versus three high, three down defenses since he got to Texas. That's that's very different than what Sark's offenses uh, usually um, do versus or how they usually execute and converge versus, versus defenses that want more traditional single high or two high looks. Um, I think that's a big part of it. Um, I know now it's a – not a huge discussion point, but as a football theorist, that's a big part of it. He's losing the battle of adjustments in the chess match within the game. 
It's just, it's pretty clear. Now that may be for different reasons. That could be, like you said, E, maybe your quarterback now is in with injury. You had a backup quarterback in there for two games. That's, I'm sure you didn't have your full complement of the playbook at that time. It's going to happen again because you got Jay Brooks, your MVP on offense out now. All right. So there are different reasons as to why you're losing the, the chess match within the game, the, the, the battle of adjustments. Um, there's no question in the second half, he's losing the battle of adjustments. He's winning the battle of game plan and preparation. We're back to, it's crazy, kind of we're back to what the 2021 <laughs> Sark was, right? When he was winning the battle of game plan and preparation, you know, getting these big leads on teams and then teams able to come back because they're winning the battle of adjustments. But the difference is that Kim Kardashian, Nicki Minaj, Serena Williams size, Cardi B size, Megan the Stallion size, but is now they're making clutch plays in critical moments to get the dub. That's the difference. We're still back to the same old Sark where, hey man, he, he can't just win. He can't win the battle of adjustments. He's the, the opposing coach is doing a great job of winning the chess match within the game, but I'll give him credit. He's changed the culture to the point where his players know. All right, it's winning time, guys. We got to go win the damn game. We obviously have not performed well for four quarters, but we still got to go win the damn game now. And they go win the game. So I'm at the point now where I, you know, I want to complain about it. And it was, listen, Sark was asked straight up, how do you get this team to get to play four full quarters of, of, foot, of football? How do you get them to play a complete game? And what did Sark say? What was his response? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's it. He didn't even beat around the bush. He didn't even BS y'all. He didn't even throw out some coach speak. He could have went, yeah, we're working on that. You know, we got the stuff in practice, what we're doing. He could have BS. I said, no, I don't know. We're we're week 10, guys. I have no idea how the hell to fix that. If you're up by 20 points, you don't need to be headhunting for for big points. He's a big game hunter. I I know, but but you don't – that's one thing. So you don't take – you don't risk the momentum changing – Elsewhere, that's one. That's, that's one. one. Okay, so you're up by twenty. You don't, you know. It, there's no reason to throw deep twice on first down. I mean, yeah, it doesn't make sense. You're trying to move the football. You're trying to to run clock at that point. It's about risk management, momentum management. I mean, <laughs> your coach can actually help that. And look, we're sitting here. I, we're nitpicking with Sark right now because Texas is nine and one. Yeah. Okay, so he's the reason. A, a major reason they are nine and one in the first place. So don't don't take this as some. Well, they're ragging on. I, no, that's it's not what we're doing. We're talking about how they could actually be better. I, I think that you know the other thing that I see uh, that is you know you can't. This is not pro football, okay? And you can't expect all players to be equal, um, and you can't expect them to play like robots, like some of the guys in the NFL do. I mean, the, I, I would say this, the backups in the NFL are almost robots. And I don't mean that in a negative fashion. That They're like insert new player, like next man up, let's go, right? Yeah, pros, yeah. Yeah, they're pros, that's right. Yeah, there's yeah. a, there's, a, you do that in the secondary at Texas, Oh yeah. and you're going to get poor tackling. You're going to get poor communication. You're going to get people that don't cover, you know, bunch formations well. You you know what? And then you come off and you're trying to coach them on the sideline. Well, you're putting in a new group of of corners and safeties. What are you really coaching? You're coaching for for 30 minutes from now when they come back on the field? Yeah. I I don't know how what that fact it is, but you're right. That's – 
there are a couple things here. You can't if you you need to stick with the guys and spell them. You don't need to wholesale and, and expect them to learn in game. Well, I know in the in-game watch-along, Jerry Hamilton talks about it a lot as we're talking. And Rod, you have too. I mean, why do you have to take Sweat and Murphy out in the same drive? Why can't you rotate that, leave one of those guys in there, right, uh, and make it easier on the the, the reserve? Why do you have to bring up the other? Why do you have to rotate both safeties or both at each position? Uh, you can do one for one drive and one for the next drive, and you're accomplishing the same goal of staying fresh. That's the one thing I think is frustrating because it's pretty clear. Uh, when when both Sweat and Murphy are off the field, Rod, teams attack. Teams go after Texas, and why wouldn't you? That's same, the chance. Same thing. same thing with the safeties. Oh, yeah. it's the safety. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. bigger than the, it's bigger. It's bigger at safety. I'll, I would argue with Jerry on this, Aaron and Rod. Yeah, yeah, yeah I mean, I, I just think both. The, the argument is yeah, both. Exactly. Yeah. Why can't we do one or the other? I, the, the argument would be. I'm just devil's advocate. I'm not just taking the side of uh, Terry Joseph. Uh, and the coaches there, but I think the argument would be that the, uh, if a group is out there, that group works together a lot, then their communication should be better because yeah. they work together a lot. It ain't. I, I agree. I'm not seeing that translate. But they're I guess not robots. Be, it's not that, the that NFL. Would, exactly. That would be the argument. And I'll just say this because Bobby, I totally agree with you about Sark Chuck, chunking on first down, chucking deep on first down. Just so you know, last year more than 50 percent of his deep shots came on first down. He's He's a big game hunter, and I've learned this about Sark, Bobby. And you'll sleep better if you, if you yeah. will recognize, you know, I mean, that Sark. Have you heard the uh, the the fable about the scorpion and the frog? You know this. You know this. Yeah, you said it before. Okay, that, there you go. It's in his nature, man. He's the scorpion. It's in his nature, Bobby. I know you want him to have a better feel of the game, and there are times for him to be aggressive, and then there are times for you to milk the clock and be conservative. I don't know if Sark has developed that yet. We must also remember he is also evolving as a coach. He's he's going from above average to good to hopefully to being a great coach. We are watching him learn on the job too, right? And there are several instances of him. Think about the – the complaint we all had about him not taking a timeout for the defense in the Oklahoma game and on that game winning drive, right? E, you mentioned it in the in game live watch. You were livid about it, right? Like, what the hell are you doing? Come on, man, take a timeout for the defense. And he never did it. And then the defense gave up a game winning touchdown. And he he took he's taken multiple defensive timeouts since in the K State game to help out the defense. He did it in the U of H game. There he's learning. So to your point, I mean, I agree with you. He's got to adjust his nature. In those situations, I'm with you. that deep ball on first down. It's like, sorry, is this the time to go big game hunting? Is this really the time? All right? Do you, do you understand what their quarterback is hurt? You you in a dog fight? Is it your defense can't stop? It's really the time? No, nope, Sark's still gonna take his shots. But that's part of what makes him a great play caller too. Is that aggression? And he does, I say, shock teams because he throws them off by on on first down taking shots when they're usually playing run defense. Um, but I'm with you. I think that's part of him growing as a coach. He's got to learn, man, there's a time for that aggression. And then there's a time for you to be conservative. And that's why I, I always criticize his feel of the game. His feel of the game is terrible. He just has a bad, the, 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 he just, he makes calls. And you're like, what, what, what does he understand what's going on in this game? And he does that sometimes, sometimes in the red zone, you see it sometimes with the fake field goal. You're like, what does he understand what's happening in the game? Does he know who his team is? Um, that's about his feel of the game, which is a little bit off, but that's okay because no coach is perfect, and he's on his way to being a much better coach. 
Hire a feel of the game assistant coach. I like that. Feel of the game a coordinator. Uh, I would also <laughs> say the, the more I listen to you talk about that, Rod, and Bobby, you mentioned it, you know, the, the, the opponents that know him the, the best will bait him into going deep on first down. Show the coverage you want. Let him take his deep shot. Now you're second and ten. You don't have to stop yeah. anything at yeah. that point. If you can, you know, you give up a big play, but uh, your your defense that knows probably, your defense knows it's probably coming. Uh, we're going to bait him into this. Yeah, <laughs> and he, that's you know. what Gundy did. He he did it last year. Remember all those deep shots they took last yeah. year against uh, Oklahoma State. That's what Gundy did. That's what Jim knows. That's what he did. He he was baiting them. He had the he had the corner sitting on routes, and Sark was thinking they're sitting. I gotta take this shot, and he's like, "Yeah, but they know you're taking the shot. They're baiting you into it. Quit taking the bait." They took it. They kept taking them shots. Yep. <laughs> and we can't stop the run. If we keep doing this, they'll keep throwing it. Right? We can't stop on the run. So we're gonna make him uh, make him take the yeah. bait. Eat the Bobby hates sheet. it. Bobby hates that. He hates that it's oh, in his man. nature. He can't stand it. It's good stuff. Great stuff, y'all. Hey, uh, hey, did Bobby you see Bobby that super work? chat? Did you see the super chat real quick, Matt? Can you put that back up? Yeah, do that right there. There it is. First game since Tuscaloosa to be outside of the state. Might be good for the guys to get away and focus on ball. Uh, you mentioned this to me, Rod, and I, you know, we knew it when the schedule came out because I know we went through it. They only leave the state twice. And but now you're in the middle of the, you know, the, the rabbit wheel here, the hamster wheel. Uh, but, yeah, this is only the second. They haven't left the state since uh, the Tuscaloosa game. And they haven't really had a road environment. Uh, road environment, you know, right? Tuscaloosa was a sure. I mean, they had some Longhorn fans there, but it was Tuscaloosa. Uh, TCU was a lot of Longhorn fans. Houston was a lot of Longhorn fans. Baylor was a lot of Longhorn fans. Yep. Cotton Bowl with Oklahoma is a split crowd. This will be, you know, all Iowa State fans and a smattering of Texas fans uh, on the heels, and we'll play it before we get out of here tonight. You got to go in with us against the world mentality, Rod. And yes, sir. it's got to be up against the world tonight or Saturday night. I agree. Farewell I mean, look, tour, guys. I mean, I think they, I think Rod had it, it said it really, really well. Um, it's a gift that they gave Texas to, to be able to focus on this sort of thing. Um, but going away does give an, a team that is close. Um, if a team is close, going on the road can be a really, really good thing, in my opinion, historically. Like, the, Texas last year was getting closer as a team. They went on the road to Kansas State, right? Did well, Okay. If this is a close team, then going on the road is actually a true road game like Iowa State, where they have to go a little bit earlier. They have to you – know, you, you, Rod knows what I'm talking about. Instead yeah. of leaving, getting on right. the plane at 3, you're getting on the plane at 8 a.m. or something mm -hmm. like that. I mean, now that – I don't know if they'll do that at, at, at Iowa State. I don't know what time the team's leaving. My point is it, it gives the team a chance to get away from the noise yeah. a little sooner and actually go focus on what they're there to focus on. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I think in part what we'll see on Saturday night is just how close this team is because a part of it, a part of me says going on the road is actually an opportunity for them to get closer yeah. and tune out, not necessarily mom and dad, but all the girlfriends aren't going. Your mm -hmm. buddies aren't going to the game that you know in class. There's just a, yeah, it's, well, it's a different level. On the way the schedule rod, rod shaped up, as we said, the girlfriend could go to Houston or TCU or Baylor, right? Yeah, they're not probably going to Iowa State. Uh, nope. Get away from the noise. That's that's probably a good thing. And on top of the offensive line for Iowa State popping off, throwing some smoke, that's a good thing to uh, to get this team, as you said, who's trending to to a problem. 
maybe refocus them on the the prize at hand here. Yeah, no, no, Bobby, you're you're right on the money, man. About you know getting away if you're a close team that that hostile environment it galvanizes the group, man. It brings you together because it's just y'all. All right, y'all in enemy territory. All right, it's just y'all. Y'all got to be even closer than before. So yeah, you mean you're traveling in in Texas? No matter even if you're going to Baylor or Houston or T or Fort Worth, you're still pretty much rock stars, right? You're in the state of Texas. You're the University of Texas in the state of Texas. You're a rock star, baby. That's just the way it is. And even that that Alabama game, right? You're still given rock star status because it was the biggest game of the year at that time. So both of y'all were rock stars, all right? It was, you know, uh, true blue blood programs going against each other. You're not going to – this is not rock star status, man. You're going to Ains, Iowa, baby. <laughs> Ain't nothing glamorous about that. Ain't nothing but ball. Ain't nothing but ball. Ain't nothing that to focus on. Ain't no glamour about it. They don't, they, they don't like you. It's going to be the farewell tour. It's your last time there. So you know Ains, oh, they hype. Everybody – it's the hottest ticket. In town, baby, everybody coming out, and it's a night game, so they're gonna be extra rowdy. Yeah, I, I Bobby, you're right, man. It's gonna it's gonna galvanize this group, and this is a tight group. We know that. That's why they win these clutch these games in clutch time because they're a tight knit group. Um, and they got the clutch gene. This they gonna need it. They gonna need. It, I'm gonna tell you because Iowa State is a whole lot better when you start watching film than people give them credit for. I, here's what I want to see. I want to hear they're not. It's not just a night game, Rod. It's going to be in the dark. <laughs> so, Sark out the dark. Sark out the dark. Sark out the dark. <laughs> my point. You know, Matthew, can, we hear, can we hear one more time? Yeah, let's hear it. Let's, let's hear, hear it one more time, Matthew. Let's hear the offensive lineman. Didn't you say he was a fifth? Is that right? Is this guy a fifth in his family? Uh, uh, no, no. That's the that's the linebacker that has to have. Uh, that has to be a trust fund kid. If his <laughs> the fifth, I mean, think about it. What's his name? I got his name right here. Uh, yeah, this, you, is the, this is the Iowa State <laughs> linebacker. Um, booster, booster, a downer. Yeah, it's got to be. His B&B. name is Jack Sadowski the fifth. He's, <laughs> the fifth. he's a freshman. The fifth. And I'm just telling you, it's like Thurston Howell the third. back centuries. If you get up to the fifth, you probably got a trust fund. I've yeah. never met a fifth. I, I don't okay. think I have. I mean, Henry the fifth. I mean, <laughs> he definitely had a trust fund. Yeah. I mean, my point, and, I, and I'm just, I'm, I'm literally joking. I don't know the guy from anywhere, but anytime I see the fifth, I'm like, whoa, that's, that's a little bit of a, like, I don't oh. know if I, I don't know. I don't I'm know if we go back that far in my family. Hey, I had done that family tree. Let's hear this now, guy, Rob. Let's hear this guy. On our Longhorn live stream. This is Iowa State offensive lineman Gerard, Jared Huffman. Oh. Uh, obviously, this came out of a meeting. They're fired up to beat Texas, and here's the message he sent to the Longhorn locker room. It's definitely going to be one heck of a farewell present. You know, I think especially they're going to come in here on senior night in the dark, you know. I don't think they really know what is going to be coming for them. I think we'll have to come out and figure it out. But I think just uh, the cycling community names, you know, when it comes to night games, especially against Texas, you know, they've only, they've, what we beat them for out of the last five times they've been here. So they don't have a good record here. Uh, we have a very distasteful in our mouth for them. You know, we definitely want to send them off to the SEC with a, with a loss on our end. But, you know, it's going to be a good game. Tell us more about that distaste. Oh, yeah, it's just, you know, ever since I got here, it was Iowa and Texas. That was kind of the thing. And, uh, you know, the horns down all the time and whatnot. But it's just, you know, that program, 
much like Oklahoma, you know, they get all the big five-star recruits. They have all the nicest stuff in the world, and they just they just think they're, uh, you know, they don't stink, but uh, in layman's terms. But uh, you know, they're just humans, and that's how I see them. You know, they're just people that have such a high ego that needs to be checked. They're you humans go. that have such a high ego that need to be checked. All right, I, 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 I think I figured something out. By the way, love this guy, I, Rod. I think I figured something out. Okay. One of the reasons everybody hates Texas is because they don't have their own hand sign. So horns down. He mentioned horns down. You know, that's like a universal thing, like not for you. I mean, you'll see somebody playing Oklahoma and they'll be doing a horns down against Oklahoma. Oh, yeah. You don't need to play Texas anymore. It's like the it's basically the the college football version of the middle finger. Yeah. He's got the like this, like, yeah, on down, baby. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just honestly, like I said, it's the guys. Don't be upset about that because it is the greatest form of free marketing and free media and free promotion. It honestly, you could argue in all the sports. Like but, every time they do it, everybody knows what it means, man. It's like seeing it's like seeing an upside down cross. You know, you know what it means. I know you know what they. And so I, to me, I I don't take offense to it. I get it. I totally get it. Why they hate Texas. I if I wasn't. If I didn't go to Texas, I'd hate Texas too. <laughs> he said he was going to give him a present, you know. Guys, he got to go against Devontae Sweat. He's got to yeah. go against the best defensive tackle in the country. And hey, then yeah. another top 10 one in Byron Murphy. Good luck with it. Hey, you know what? You got to, you, you got to, you wrote a check. Your mouth wrote a check. Let's see if yo can cash it. All right. <laughs> Uh, hey Rod, it's funny because after our uh, the in game cast, I was watching your guys post game on the uh, live stream, and then I drove home and I was listening to the network post game right with Craig and the crew, and oh, I heard Craig Way's actual interview, and he said because they asked him about the hostility and the crowd and all this stuff and winning on the road at TCU, and he actually said, "When I see horns down, I think bird up." <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. But he didn't. He didn't do it. He said. When I when I see horns down, I think birds up. There you <laughs> go. It was one of his little quick throwaway lines. It was pretty funny. Uh, but, he goes, but we embrace the hate, you know. Yeah. You know that, that's I like it. I like it. It's kind of a good. I see horns down. I think birds up. <laughs> Boom! I love hey, that. What, what was that's that? Brilliant. What was that uh, stat sheet that uh, uh, that Matt put up there real quick? Oh, last trip in names. Yeah. Hey. They Jeez, beat man. they beat in Texas four out of the last eight. So those, those are facts right there. So that's three right. of the last facts, four they beat in Texas, not four of the last five. That's, so this one uh, last year. No, was no. Those last, oh, wait a minute. Those are away games, right? Two. No, they've only beaten Texas three of the last four away. Mm. Right? I was at the game here, the 17-7 game in 2017. That was a Tom Herman game. It was a Thursday night game. I actually went to that game. The only time I've ever been to Ames, Iowa. Um, and they won that. It was a you know defensive struggle. But last year, as Rod said, I mean, it was a nail biter. And obviously, the year before was the yeah you know okay first half and a disastrous second half when Bo Davis excuse yeah. me Bo Davis had his famous bus rant that uh, probably helped this program. But uh, yeah, yeah, this is this is you know I mean Longhorns don't have any lack of motivation here going to Ames. I mean, they got everything to play for. The college football playoff rankings will be out here in about fifteen minutes for week three. They're sitting atop the conference, uh, and now you got a, an offensive lineman talking about arrogance, and you know they don't know what's coming, and it's going to be dark, and all kinds of things. 
Yeah. Right, Matt, yeah. let's get through some super chats real quick, if you don't mind. Other other folks' questions. Matt, our producer. Um, Matt Hutchinson is the one that does such a great job. Uh, Juan, Sonny Dykes or Cliff Kingsbury to AM thoughts. Sonny Dykes is not mm. there. He's mm. not. He, they may have taken a flower on him last year after he had that one one hit wonder. You know, after he was, I don't know, what was, yeah, I don't know, name a one hit wonder song group, Flock of Seagulls. There you go. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury, uh, Cliff Kingsbury uh, Rod and Aaron and I were talking about this pre-show, and there is some truth to that, but not as a head coach. As a coordinator, they would welcome him back with open arms. Yep. I don't think as a head coach, though. Yeah, I think Rod and I have talked about Jeff Trailer being probably the best fit, but will they go there at UTSA? And Rod, you said as a Longhorn fan and follower, that would be the most concerning because he was yeah. only Texas. He fits, he can coach, he can motivate. Jeff Trailer would be pretty scary, but something tells me AM wants a bigger name. Yeah, they want a splashy. Anybody want a splashy or higher than Jeff Trailer, but man, that we know he can coach. My only I have one question, a concern about Jeff Trailer is he hasn't coached without. Frank Harris, a veteran quarterback. That is this something to watch because that's some oftentimes, you know, some coaches you'll see them without that quarterback and then they're a different coach altogether. Um, so that's, I think Jeff Trailer would be a great hire there, by the way. I love me some Jeff Trailer. Um, but yeah, I, I think if you're doing a deep dive on the coach and you're troubleshooting, you're just asking questions like, hey, man, uh, let's vet this guy. That'd be the one concern vetting a guy like Jeff Trailer. Great, great point. And even uh, the Washington coach, Kalen DeBoer, who's been mentioned, you know, he's Michael Penix was his quarterback at Indiana and at yeah. Washington. You know, I don't say he's unproven, but, you know, quarterback helps. Ask Aggie yeah, fans like Hugo Fisher pretty much built his reputation on Jameis Winston. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> oh, that was ugly. That's an ugly, that's an ugly comment there, Aaron. Yeah. I mean, because I'm not in a negative way. It's just so, so uh, it's so true that it's ugly. If so that makes ugly. sense. Yeah. <laughs> what you're saying. Hey, here's one from Justin Yarbrough. Rod, how does Texas defend the bunch if they know that's coming or how should they defend it? Uh, well, it's, it, it comes down to communication. Thank you for the, the question, Justin. It comes down to communication. Uh, and it depends on the type of bunch formation that they use, right? Is it could be stack twins where they basically stack them one on top of one another, uh, one behind the other. Uh, it could be really tight twins where they're right beside one another. You could have the reduced splits where they're closer to the line of scrimmage. Sark likes those condensed compressed sets where they're all close to the line of scrimmage. Uh, and that's, you know, that's that's actually one of the tougher ones, in my opinion, because there's no way you can really bump those guys. Every every DB's got to play off. What you like is that the guy, what you would like is that ideally the guy on the line of scrimmage, whether it's a trips or whether it's a, you know, it could be a twins, whatever, that you jam that guy. Take him out of the mix. Whoever's on the line of scrimmage, you put DB up there to jam that guy, take him away, and he's ma he's matching him. He's man to man on that guy. And then if it's a trips, then you and the other DB are pretty much playing tango outside inside leverage on the other two receivers. Um, if it's just twins, it's pretty pretty much you end up manned up, right? The guy on the line of scrimmage, he takes the man that he's pressing on the line of scrimmage, and then you take the other guy. The problem is there, there's going to be a free release. Somebody's going to get a free release with a bunch formation. It, you just can't avoid it. If you try to if you try to avoid that and both of y'all on the same level trying to play press, you're gonna get hit. 
You go get picked, you're gonna get rubbed, as they like to call it. It's a pick route. All right. It's all they all they all illegal, guys. They all illegal, and all offensive linemen are holding on every play. They won't tell you that, but it's true. But anyway, I digress. So uh you that free release, this is what the Longhorns are having problems with. Now they've talked about even I heard uh Jade Barron talk about it. They, they have issues in the postgame, issues passing off receivers in coverage naturally even outside of bunch formation passing off receivers in coverage whether you're talking about drag routes crossing routes overs unders or whether you're talking about hell the post routes where the the, the dvs are playing what they call match quarters coverage or match zone coverage where it becomes it's a zone that becomes a man coverage guys they're they're having trouble passing that off that's why guys that's why they gave up the easy post route touchdown in the uh the k-state game they gave up the, the touchdown the down in the red zone the passing touchdown to jace brown that was an easy uh miscommunication by malik muhammad and david Mitchell. guys they're just they're not good at passing off routes and coverage well that's what a bunch formation forces you to do if you have trips you you got to communicate and they're not great at it so that's what it comes down to. They, but they, they have, they can improve. But the key is whoever's on the line of scrimmage, bump that guy, take him out of the equation. That's the easiest way to do it. Um, they do that, but not consistently enough, in my opinion. All right, here we go. Hey, fellas, if viewers comes back, does this help with the portal on offense and name Texas potentially top ten? And does it name Texas to be potentially a top ten team in the next season? Well, I mean, you know, uh, obviously if yours is back, he's going to be throwing to probably no X-Man, no uh, JT Sanders, no A.D. Mitchell. He'll, off, he'll be off to the NFL. Jordan Whittington's out of eligibility. Uh, Jordan Whittington, excuse me, uh, is, is out. I'm talking about uh, Jonathan Brooks. His injury is, you know, happening in November. So can you even count on him next year? Uh, if you can, at what point of next year becomes the question. Uh, so it's, yeah, I mean, it's a whole new offense. But the offensive line returns in full outside of Christian Jones, a right tackle. So there's that to build on. And uh, to the question, Rod and Bobby, uh, I'll start with you, Bobby. The, uh, you know, Quinn Ewers coming back would help with receivers and tight ends and players of that nature in the portal, you'd have to think. Uh, there's one in particular that might be interesting if he were to go in the portal, and that's Evan Stewart, mm. uh, the wide receiver from Texas A&M. Ewers and Stewart work out together in the offseason. Wow. So yeah. just keep that in, that keep that in mind. Um, I don't know that he's going in the portal, though. He's not playing right now for A&M. There's been some talk behind the scenes, but I don't know that it's legitimate. I mean, I'm not following Evan Stewart right now, right? Um, but that's that's one. And then I also I, I do think that anytime you're coming back with a a, a roster that's open, the first three receivers are going to be gone. To your point, Aaron, that you just listed them: Whittington. A Mitchell and Worthy, that's that looks beautiful to a portal receiver that's looking for a home, right? Um, then you say, oh, you're going to have a third-year quarterback that's potentially a first-rounder. That's going to look really good. Oh, you've got a uh, offensive coordinator that had four first-round draft picks at receiver. This had Xavier Worthy and Adonai Mitchell. That looks pretty good. So my my take on it is yes it will help right. offensive recruiting in the portal the big one they need rod and and, and aaron outside of wide receivers they got to get a tight end in the portal in my opinion that's a receiving tight end not just a not just a uh, blocking tight end I agree. agreed. And because uh, Rod, you've said that, uh, and Sarkis said that tight ends is, is a big a position and is an important position in his offense as there is. Uh, any other super chats, Matthew, uh, that we can run with uh, at this point? Are the secondaries woes a product of Gideon and the coaches? Seems to be the weakest link on the staff. You know. Um, 
Yeah, that's I don't I don't know what technique the guys are being taught. I, I will admit that I don't know technique and coverages they're being taught. The safeties are definitely a, a liability in coverage. Derek Derek Williams, the young buck, is probably your best coverage safety at this point. He really is. Uh, he holds up better in coverage. It, it, that that has nothing to do with coaching, too. By the way, yeah, he just got it. Let's be clear. I mean that that's why that's why. I, Rod, I, I want you to finish, but my point is yeah, how much of it is coaching and how much of it is personnel? Mm. I mean, um, yeah, I, listen, they definitely they want more safeties like Derek Williams. So he's the guy they bring it in. He's a freshman. That's why he's playing more now. The, the Jaron Thompson's got the most experience. Um, Taff is probably the most assignment sound of the safeties. Uh, and Derek Williams is probably your most talented of the safeties, best coverage guy of the safeties. So the problem is they don't have a a, a safety that is an all around a, a great kind of all around player um, for them. They they're trying to moneyball this thing and piecemeal it together. Uh, and and as soon as Derrick Williams is you know experienced and you know that guy puts on puts on some some weight gets his grown man body, they'll get more like him. Uh, that's why they, they're recruiting this kid with Xavier Phil saying. Uh, yep. Phil Fami or whatever he he's one of them. All right, that's what they that's basically what they want more of. If you're talking about the coaching, my big issue with the coaching would be the fact that these guys don't respect inside leverage is upsetting to me as a DB. They 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 they're actually decent in man coverage, um, but even when they're in zone coverage. Always taught for the past game usually are inside breaking routes. And Texas guys, they don't respect it. The last four games, teams are 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 completing a ton of their inside breaking routes. You're talking about over a 75% completion rate on your inside breaking routes just in the last four games. You go look at 12 over 12 yards per attempt on inside breaking routes, explosive play rate close to 30%. They got to respect inside leverage. Hell, go look at TCU. Same thing. TCU, they, they got after it. Inside breaking routes. Close to 80% completion percentage on inside breaking routes. 10 yards per attempt. Touchdown by Savion Williams late. What was it? Inside breaking route against the safeties. So my my thing is when they either they're, they're not respecting inside leverage and the, maybe the coaches are not emphasizing it or situationally, these guys aren't at U of H game inside leverage. I mean, I would I would just design playing with nothing but inside breaking routes on Texas defense. They can't stop them. Drag routes, crossing routes, overs, under, slant, skinny posts, post routes. Doesn't matter. Just throw them out there. They don't want to get abused to the outside, is why. And I and I'll, I'll say this, Rod. So I'm I'm just gonna let's look at Texas's roster. Okay. And when you start talking about Coach Gideon in particular, and I'm not you know, they mentioned Coach Joseph as well, but the, the safeties. Is there a safety out of Michael Taft, Jaron Thompson, and Keaton Crawford that are going to play in the NFL, in your opinion? No. Okay. Maybe Crawford as a gunner. I mean, that he's got to be better than that. Because of speed. Right. But he's got to be better. He, he can't yeah, tackle. He's. I think he's the one that may be the worst tackler in space yeah. of that group. Yeah. Okay. And so we is there a is there a linebacker that will? Is there a cornerback that will play in the NFL? Is there a defensive lineman? Is there an edge? All of those positions, all of those other positions, yeah. you have guys that are gonna play in the NFL. 
Agreed. Okay, that have experience. Offense, same thing. Have every single position has a guy that's going to play in the NFL. Yeah, uh, it's a good. Uh, I'm, I'm not trying to be. So no, my point is going back to the original. You question. The personnel issue more so than the coaching. Absolutely. Yeah, uh, it's, it's a Jimmy's and Joe's thing, right? I believe that's true. Uh, what are each of you's two favorite recruits in the 24 class? May not be the highest rated players. Your personal favorite, you excited to see in the burn orange. Thanks. And hook them. By the way, before you guys answer that, let you think about it a second. Two favorite recruits in the 24 class. Uh, Texas Ooh. just got announced number seven again in the college football playoff rankings, just so we know it's happening in real time. Uh, Texas number seven, Alabama number eight, Missouri up to number nine, by the way, with Louisville 10. They're going to okay. announce the top six here coming up, but uh, Texas still at number seven. Bobby, we'll start with you. Your favorite recruits of the 24 class? Um, so this is going to surprise folks. Um, I really, really like Christian Clark, a running back out of Arizona. I've liked him from the outset. I think that he has tremendous feet in the hole. I'm, I want to see if he comes back fully from an injury. He still look, He's not quite as fast to me as he was. And then the other is going to be make Jerry Hamilton smile. It's Daniel Cruz. Uh, an offensive lineman uh, out of uh, Richland High School, North Richland Hills High School, up in the Fort Worth area. And uh, he is just, he's a wrestler. He's mean, nasty. I mean, I think of, when I think of him, I think of a little bit of Creed Humphrey and a little bit of Casey Stutter. Oh, I, mean, I like that. Nasty. Yeah, I mean, he's just nasty and talented. Yeah. You know, Casey Rock, was Rock. a good athlete. Yeah. He's maybe a little bit better athlete than Casey. In more in the the Creed Humphrey range is that is that nice. you know what I mean? But yeah, hey, Rob, we uh, had him on the live stream uh, a couple a couple weeks ago, right? He's fantastic, he's good dude. Oh, lo love his personality, love his attitude, and he's he. It, this is the crazy thing: first year playing center, like yeah. he hadn't played. He's projected to play center at the college level. Never played center, and his co his high school coaches basically let him play center his senior year because they wanted to help him out and <clears throat> help him out with his projections. And he's awesome. He's played every position on the O-line too. Fantastic. Anybody else you like, Rod? Um, well, I mean, they're the obvious ones, right? I mean, Colin Simmons is a monster. He's a freak of nature. Uh, so, yeah, they got – he's on there. But I'm with you about Christian Clark. Though. I watched him. Jerry and I did talking ball early this week. And we were focused on running backs because of the unfortunate news about Jay Brooks. And man, Christian Clark, he's he's got his speed to power transition is pretty freaky. You know, you start to think watching him that he's just oh man, maybe he's kind of a speed guy. And then you watch him when he confronts, you know, uh, a defender. Man, he he does not shy away from contact. So I didn't know he was injured though. That's unfortunate. Yeah, well, he's injured. Coming, he's coming off injury last year, and then he was injured yeah. to start the year a little bit. Okay. Um, I like. I see what you like though. Yeah, I like. I like his shiftiness in the hole too. I mean, he can make people miss in multiple ways. And his his acceleration though is nice too. Yeah. No, he's a good player. I like that. I like that too. Good stuff. All right, uh, real quick. Georgia has flipped Ohio State in the uh, college football playoff rankings. Just FYI, if it matters. Uh, Georgia has jumped to number one. Ohio State now number two. Michigan three. Florida State. Washington, your top five. Yeah. Uh, the win over uh, oh, Ole Miss was, was yeah. dominant enough. And yeah. uh, now Georgia, the number one team with Michigan and Ohio State two, three. They'll play mm -hmm. in, uh, you know, a week from two weeks, a week from Saturday, they'll play in uh, Ann Arbor. So that one will settle itself. 
By the way, now Florida State at number four has a top 10 team that they may play in the ACC championship game, which is Louisville, who's moved into the top 10. So keep that in mind. Oregon and uh, Washington are five and six. Okay. So they'll play likely in the Pac-12 championship game with a few regular season games running. Oklahoma's the only team to have thoroughly figured out Iowa State. How did they do it? What was their strategy in both halves? That's a it's a long dissertation, but uh, any bumper sticker yeah. on? I will have to – I've got to go watch. Actually, I'm watching uh, more Iowa State film tonight, and I will go watch that. I'll have that on the next live stream, uh, how cool. Texas attacks – how, how Oklahoma attacked Iowa State, and really, it's really it's how you attack that three high, three down defense, right? Theirs is pretty unique, guys. Their their secondary is it's pretty impressive. I like their secondary. The more you watch the Iowa State secondary, the more you appreciate. They got TJ Tampa is one of the more consistent players. I believe he's from Tampa too. I think Jerry told me that they actually his name is TJ Tampa. TJ Tampa. Yeah, TJ. I believe he's from Tampa, if I'm not mistaken, right, Bobby? I don't know if Jerry was – maybe Jerry was messing with me. Um, but they also have Jeremiah Cooper, who's a really good player for them, That's too. the one I like. Yes. He, I think he's leading the Big 12 in picks, if I'm not mistaken. He got five. Yeah, I think he leads the Big 12 in picks. And then they got another safety, um, Bo Frailer, is his name. He was, a really, he was a good player. They're secondary. If you're talking about just overall, it may be – the best secondary overall, just performance-wise. I ain't talking about talent overall-wise, but performance-wise, it may be the best secondary. I think pass efficiency defense is number nine in the in, in the country. I'm glad. Um, I'm glad. I'm so glad Matt brought that out. I, I was going to have to say Tampa is not St. Pete, but that's okay. Okay. <laughs> just well, they, they, Tampa from St. Pete. Like, okay. uh, Tito, like, Tito, Tito, okay. like, uh, you know, Tito, Tito beverage sells beverages. You know what I'm saying? You know, he's always so Tito. Tito from Tampa. <laughs> hey guys, why hasn't Matt Campbell's name come up in connection with AM? As highly respected as he seems, seems like a reasonable option. Is uh, no, no? He messed that up last year, guys. He. He, he might be one of these coaches, and they're rare, but they're out there. Tom Herman was kind of like this. They do more with less. And when you give them more, all right, <laughs> um, they seem to do less with it. <laughs> right? It seems like Matt Campbell, think, think about this year. Matt Campbell this year, everybody left him for dead. He had the gambling scandal, had to, had to dismiss like five starters off the team, including the starting quarterback, who, by the way, was the most veteran quarterback. He is the most tenured quarterback in the Big 12 because he was the only one that started every game in the Big 12 last season, Hunter Deckers, and then he's got to go. And then now this dude is in contention to go to the Big 12 title game, Week 10, and he, when he had his most talented team. Brock Purdy, who's starting in the NFL right now. Breeze Hall, who's a star. He had Charlie Kolar. Those three tight ends had Will McDonald. Man, they were loaded with talent. What do you do? They underachieved. It's like when there was a lot of pressure and expectations, he underachieves. But when nobody gives a damn about him, everybody's kind of, you know, everybody's pretty much, can't, you know, decided uh, they're done and there's no way that they can, you know, they can achieve and they're not going to win. People thought they wouldn't even make a bowl game this year. Now they're making a bowl game. So he's one of those coaches. I don't know what it is about those types of coaches, but some coaches, uh, expectations are not really good for them. Yeah, had a young Xavier Hutchinson that year too that they yeah. didn't have to Rod, who was pretty damn good players playing for the Texans right now. He's also a guy that connects, I think, more in the Midwest. Yeah. I, I, I mean, he's from Ohio. Aaron, you mentioned that at the Open almost, uh, right, about that connection. I, I think – I look, I think Michigan State would be a great place for him. But I don't, know that, I don't know that Michigan State's going to pay 
functionally more than what he's making at Iowa State right now based on, you know, a number of things going on right there. That's good. Uh, somebody mentioned Matt Rule to A&M. That's a name I haven't heard. Matt Rule's only been one year in Nebraska, but don't you think he'd jump at that and say, hey, wait a second. Ooh. Nebraska's kind of cool, but woo, Matt, Ooh. A&M at Texas. I, I, I ain't gonna lie. I haven't heard that, but that would be pretty nasty. Matt Rule, we know he can go I, I tell you what, how far the mighty have fallen if that happens to Nebraska, guys. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, that is a kick in the you know what. That, I mean, yeah. for a team that I mean, like I have a lot of respect for that program. Yes, yeah, and true. they they finally maybe have a coach that they think can get it done. Um, after not unlike Texas, kind of wandering through the wilderness post. I mean, Texas did it after Mac Brown. They did it really after, I mean, Frank Solich was okay, but got canned. Bo Pelini, they didn't like. Mike Riley, I mean, name the Scott Frost. They've been Bill through Callahan, the ringer. Bill Callahan. Yeah, Bill Callahan. They've been through the ringer. Yeah. And if you're yeah. going to tell that finally they won, I think they won five games in a row, by the way, right? Yeah. yeah they, they lost a couple, I think. Up. Yeah. And so, 13-10. Yeah, that would be bad. Wow. That be, yeah. That'd be you basically right, Bobby. That would basically make them a stepping stone program. Wow. That's crazy. That's but different. You know, than what it was look at it and say, well, but you yeah. gotta think Matt Rule career wise would look at that and say, hmm. No, yeah, you know, he Nebraska, had to. He, yeah. I know I know Texas. I was at Baylor. Yeah. Uh I know what AM is. He he's got intimate knowledge of the Lone Star State and how how big that job can be. I'm wondering though if he, hey Rod, I wonder if he's not a guy that's similar to Matt Campbell though. Oh, in that he does more with less. Mm -hmm. You might be on something there. Yeah, all those guys were built. That none of those guys were major players. He had them. He he baked them for four and five years. He's a developmental guy. Yes, developmental. He's like. The yeah. the NIL guys at AM ain't waiting on development. Hey, is I Gary Patterson that. like that? Is Gary Patterson one of them guys? Get, Gary Patterson may be. Um, he may be as well, but I think he's got a little bit more of a, what I would call a unique system that backs him up. Yeah. Like Matt Campbell has the 335, but that's really Hecox's, not his. Yeah. Patterson's defense is Patterson's defense. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That would yeah, be my yeah. difference. Why is Chris Reader, Peterson's name no longer brought up? I don't know that he wants to coach anymore. He quit at Washington. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. He had some. He had some family issues, I believe, health issues with the child, I believe, and um, wanted to stay in the Northwest for that reason. And he's a good coach, though. Chris Peterson can build a program. There's no doubt about that. Uh, all right. I hope I never hear the phrase "all gas, no breaks" again. It's a farce when you get a lead. Keep <laughs> doing exactly what got you to lead in the first place. Thank you, Clay. Um. I think they tried. I think think they tried. I just don't think – like, look, if you remember, Quinn threw an an interception on a deep ball in the first half, right? Yeah. Well, that was was the Jordan Whittington play. Yeah, and so that would have been been another stalled possession with the deep ball. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, yes, Urban did quit twice. Quit. You got a bad heart, guys. I wasn't. I didn't like my quarterback, so I quit. Hey, that's Urban's got good payment too. Yeah, he usually he usually picks good jobs at the college level. He'll say usually good job picking college games, picking college jobs. I should say didn't do so well in the NFL. No, that's a yeah different monster altogether. 
Yep. Hey, uh, Bobby, tell them about Energy Texas one more time before we wrap up our uh, Tuesday Longhorn live stream. It's been a great conversation tonight talking uh, bulletin board material, Texas-Iowa State, the Jonathan Brooks injury, Quinn Ewer's future. Tell them about Energy, energy Texas. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, deregulated energy, if you have that opportunity in the state of Texas to choose your own energy company, uh, give the guys at energytexas.com a look. Uh, give them a call at 855-461-1129 or go online at energytexas.com. They have a special going on called a flex plan right now where you get to choose your energy program each and every month that best fits your need. And it doesn't cost you any extra money uh, to, to do so. That's Energy Texas, Texas Electricity Done Right. We appreciate their sponsorship uh, for the night's live stream. We also appreciate all you guys with those uh, super chats as well, as well as everybody that's here just hanging out and uh, talking a little Longhorn football. Yes, sir. All right, Bobby, tell them about the uh, schedule tomorrow and the rest of the week on uh, Inside Texas and certainly on uh, on Texas football. Well, uh, tomorrow, a couple things. One is it is the final day of basketball signing period. Uh, so the Longhorns are hoping that, that there's one more guy left out there, Trey Johnson, right now. He may or may not sign tomorrow. We don't know 100% for sure. So watch for that. He's the number four or five player in the country. He's originally from Lake Highlands, but he's transferred up to uh, a prep school up in Branson, Missouri called Link Prep. Uh, that's coming down, it sounds like, Aaron and Rod, uh, to Texas and Baylor. Uh, then, uh, But we'll have coffee and football in the morning uh, with myself, Jerry Hamilton, Blake Monroe, talk a little recruiting. Jerry was on the road today. That's why I'm standing in for him on Tuesday night. Uh, and then Wednesday, we have State of the Program, myself and Eric Nalin publisher of InsideTexas.com, uh, will be on talking. And then Wednesday night, Rod and is back with Ray Peters and our man, Justin Wells. So yeah. Justin, uh, one of his few appearances on the live stream each and every week. He always brings it with a little fun and energy. Awesome. Well, guys, been fun. Good Cox, Rod. We'll see you tomorrow morning, brother. Yes, sir. And, uh, looking forward to, the, to, to that. And uh, we'll keep an eye on that recruiting on the basketball side. Longhorn basketball, women playing tonight. Men play tomorrow night against Rice. Longhorns are number seven in this week's college football playoff rankings that are out. So no change there. The only change was Georgia and Ohio State flipped the top uh, one and two. So Buckeye fans will be all mad, uh, whatever. So that'll happen. Uh, here we go. <laughs> college football playoff rankings. Keep winning, though. Uh, guys, been fun. Appreciate it. Uh, awesome stuff. Thanks, E. Aaron, you're always great. Appreciate you, buddy. All right, guys. Have a great one. We'll talk to you all uh, next time. Okay. okay.